Stay tuned till the end of the episode. I have a special announcement for you. What happened to Keith and the food truck? Is he still running it? Is he overwhelmed by his kids, the military, his full-time day job? And is he still serving tacos? One of the questions you always ask is what happened to the people that have been part of the coaching series? So welcome to a special episode where we are going to find out what happened to Keith and what he learnt through his set of experiments. The extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. One of the questions I always get asked is what happened to Keith? What happened to Christina? What happened to the people on the Rebel Entrepreneur coaching series? So welcome to a very special episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur coaching series where we have back with us Mr. Keith Hunt from Red Headed Step Tacos. Welcome back, Keith. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. It's been a while. It has been a while and I'm dying to know... What happened to you? What went on? The last time we knew, you went all in, you took the food truck, you were trading, you were making money, you were producing tacos, which I think is a very noble cause in my particular world. Uh, what happened? <laughs> well, that is a loaded question. It's been a roller coaster ride for sure. Um, I think the last time we talked, I had just done uh, kind of my first experiments and it signed the year-long lease and uh, I learned enough from that to know that I needed to make a few tweaks to make it really viable long term and one of those big things was mm. uh, finding a commissary where I could store my food and allow me to prep in advance and um, so yeah I, I'm not sure if I mentioned but I did find a a local business, actually a daycare, who had a commercial kitchen license and everything. And so I got set yes. up there. Yep. And uh, that was really the missing puzzle that I kind of made it, you know, doable. So I, I actually made the decision to hold off on events for a month or two during the summer. One, because it was extremely hot. And two, because I really wanted to get that commissary in place. And so, uh, once I got that in place, I got off the ground, just started signing up for any and every event that I could find in the city. So <laughs> I remember you nearly passing out trying to work the food truck in the summer with the heat, and you were messaging me saying, um, this is killing me in the heat. You, you're in Arizona in the desert trying to run a food truck with flames around you in the middle of the heat. It's it's probably going to be tough. Does anyone run food trucks in Arizona in the summer? Uh, only crazy people, I guess, because uh, at least in my town, <laughs> I would say a good number, more than half, if not all of them, uh, shut down during the hotter months. So, yeah, it was was not ideal to get launched in you know May or June or whenever it was of last year. We kind of had a case of that at several points where we were the timing of things never quite worked out. Like we got the truck, 
but then it was a mad dash to get the license and then we had to launch at this time and then we were launching right in the summer and yeah do you have any reflections about timing the timing of the whole thing how that worked what happened yeah that's uh you know look, looking back on or listening back i should say on the uh previous episodes obviously those aired um you know much later uh, than when they were recorded and so it was interesting to go back and listen and and you know part of me was like wow i was naive but another part of me was kind of proud of every everything that that went on leading up to the launch and you know it did become clear that you can't always control everything didn't exactly plan like you said to launch it during the summer when it was under 15 degrees but um you know you just kind of have to roll with it um i think in a way it can be good to it could have been good because it gave me a few months to kind of get things in place before the the weather cooled down so i think if you have a plan in place and you're you know using your time wisely then then it can turn out to be to be a good thing but um, yeah definitely was not exactly expected and i could have done a, a better job of planning and using the time to my advantage so you launched we had a break in the summer and then you signed up to all of the events you could what was that like running around the city running those events whilst having a full-time job eight kids and being in the military it was very difficult i will say so um you know like I said, <laughs> <laughs> you know like i said it was a bit of a roller coaster so um i did end up finding some help actually one of my um, neighbors just a couple doors down. They have a teenage daughter who was looking to get a job, so um, hired her along with a couple of her friends, and uh, you know that helped out a lot. And um, but uh, and then I basically just, uh, as I mentioned, looked around for every event I could find. So I I went to food truck Friday events that they had once a month at one of the communities. I went to uh, you know, vendor fairs that um, that they had a couple times a month, uh, nonprofit events, and yeah, it was was a bit difficult. Um, obviously, I had to stick to weekends for the most part, which made it um, hard to really maximize my profits. Uh, you know, Saturdays wasn't a problem because I wasn't at work. Fridays, uh, I will say, it was pretty stressful, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. trying to make sure I could get off work in time and get to the event. So that that was uh, definitely one of the low, low points, you could say, was just the extra stress of, uh, oh, am I going to give myself enough time? Am I going to jeopardize my day job and that kind of thing? So. so the Saturdays were better. Like the Fridays were a nightmare. The Saturdays were better. Um, did you trade on Sundays as well, or did you do two days a week? No, I um, I had considered it, and to be honest, I actually, uh, you'll like this one, Alan. There was a, a British uh, guy in our community who started a boot sale. <laughs> he uh, wanted to bring, <laughs> bring oh, part of his... Uh, yeah, exactly. So it turned out to be more of just kind of a vendor fair, but... He was doing it on Sundays, uh, once or twice a month, I think. And he was, uh, I got to give it to him. He was persistent. He was going around, passing out flyers. And 
I saw him all over town spreading the word and uh, he kept inviting me and he said, oh, you're, this would be great to have you here, oh, you know, this and that. And, and I'm like, you know what, it looks like a great event. I'm sure it is. But I'm like, well, Sunday is my one day off that I get to be with the family. And I don't <laughs> think that my mental state can handle it. So I never, never took the leap on the Sunday. Well, I do think there is limits even to your capacity uh, to work and produce and do things, Keith. So I think having time off to spend with your family is critically important, critically important. So a couple of numbers questions. You started training, you're doing sort of Friday evening and Saturday day, so you're doing sort of a day and a half a week. What was that producing? Was it making money? Were you paying more out through wages and food than you were getting in? Were you generating income enough to pay the monthly fees on the truck, the monthly loan back to the guy who gave you the truck? Like, how was it going financially through that period? So it was a bit rough. Uh, there were, I kind of learned what, you know, which type of events were, were good, which is, uh, another difficult thing about having the truck versus, you know, having an actual restaurant. When I had the restaurant in Ohio, I could actually pull up, you know, on my app, all my numbers, and I could compare it week to week, and it was fairly predictable, uh, you know, which days were slower, that kind of a thing. Whereas with the going around, hopping around to events, it was, especially if it was one I'd never been to, it was just a total shot in the dark sometimes. And so I'd prepare for 200 sales, you know, and I might get 50 or prepare for 100, get 25 or something. Wow. Like so um, that made it really hard because, you know, you might have extra food, uh, you know, which is going to eat up on your cost. I would say the definitely the labor uh, made it difficult to make a profit. I was trying to pay my people, you know, good wages. They were talking about raising the minimum wage here in the U.S. to $15 an hour. and in my state, I think it's around 12 or so right now. And so I said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to be proactive. I'm just going to start at the 15. So if it changes to that, you know, I'm not, it doesn't take me by surprise. And uh, it was good for my workers, but not so good for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, <laughs> like I said, I had three workers. So $45 an hour, you know, I'd have to be bringing in just to cover my wages. And so um, to answer your question, there were a lot of t um, a lot of events, a lot of days where I was basically breaking even just on the food and the labor costs. And um, a couple times I tried to go bare bones and just go out on my own on a Saturday. And, you know, it was doable. I, I'd worked a, a lunch and a dinner session on my own and just kind of had a steady trickle of customers. I think I brought in like six or seven hundred dollars in sales in, in maybe only five or six hours and so you know in that case i was a little more profitable but obviously not not sustainable and so uh yeah it uh definitely became clear that operating just you know fridays saturdays and one weekend not even able to operate due to the army that it was uh, not exactly a viable long-term um, solution, you know. So. so, sounds like you were sort of slowly realizing this was not going to bring you the money and not going to get you where you wanted to get to. 
did you have you closed it down? Have you finished the mini experiment? It's kind of a maxi experiment, wasn't it? But have you finished <laughs> the truck experiment? Yeah, so that that is uh, basically um, the conclusion I came to. It just um, not not even so much the financial side because, uh, but the the time commitment um, juggling with uh, the day job mostly. Um, I did have a um, you know at work I had asked for my job for some flexibility and initially they had granted me that, but I, there may have been some miscommunication it seems like later they may have intended for me to continue to work 40 hours if I had to leave early on a Friday you know I guess I should have been making it up Monday through Thursday which um, you know I wasn't it wasn't clear at the beginning and so once they started kind of uh, cracking down on that it made it even more uh, difficult for me to get out there and just kind of added more stress and so um, I would say the the experiment worked to the extent of, uh, you know, seeing how it would do in the market and just getting a feel for how the truck would go. But it definitely became clear that um, doing it, you know, three, four or five times a month um, while working the day job was just not going to bring in the, the revenue that I needed and was having a toll, you know, on my mental health, fam family, life. And so, yep, I ended up deciding to shut it down um, near the end of my lease. As you may remember, it was a lease with the option to buy. And so all my payments, you know, could be credited yes. towards the purchase price at any time. And so I was I was uh, relying on those uh, child tax uh, uh, credit payments that I was getting for the final half of last year. And I will say um, it was a tight, tight end of the year, Christmas, you know, with eight kids, you can imagine uh, the budget for that. And, um, you know, those payments were ending <laughs> and it was, it was rough. I will say to say the least, my, my wife was pretty worried. Are we going to have a Christmas? And luckily I had some family that really stepped up and without us even asking, I had three or four family members that just said, Hey, let, you know, let us help you out. We, you know, we want, we can see that, that you're kind of struggling. Um, you know, here's, here's something to help you guys out. So were it not for that, honestly, we would have had a very sad Christmas and, um, somehow we able, I was able to pull out of it, make my payments on time to the guy, but definitely realized through it that, <laughs> um, I should have had some, some funds in the bank, you know, for a worst case scenario like this, where, uh, where we weren't able to get out there and make the money that we were hoping. Interesting. Okay. So in the end, you just handed back the truck after the year. You stepped away from taking those credits towards actually buying the truck and moved on. So the guy's got his truck back. He's going to try and sell it again. And you are free from that contract. So not exactly. There's another twist. So um, basically by the time... I, <laughs> There's always uh, <laughs> another twist. I love it. Yeah. So uh, by the time that I made the decision, you know, that it wasn't going to be a, a good long-term solution, I had already, you know, paid nine or 10 months into the contract. And so at that point, I basically would have been losing more money by pulling out than to just pay him off the remainder that was owed uh, towards the purchase. 
And so I figured even if I okay. don't do it at all, um, you know, I'd come out on top by um, purchasing it from him. I think I owed about like 12,000 more dollars or something on it, but you know, I'd already put in close to 30 or whatever it was. And so by paying him off, then I was able to title it my name and then I could, I had several options. I think that was uh, the right decision because I could, you know, A, sell it, B, hang on to it until I was in a better position to make a better use of it. Or um, C, I actually, this is what I actually ended up doing was leveraging it to pay off some higher interest debt. So I actually, once I paid it off, I got a um, consolidation loan with low interest and I was actually able to consolidate all of my um, outstanding credit cards. And so it, it worked out so far. The uh, My payments, you know, went down. I'm on a fixed, you know, term with my debts and my credit score went up like over 100 points overnight. <laughs> so you consolidated some high interest rate credit card debt and took out a note on the truck uh, to pay off all of that and consolidate all those debts into one place. Yep, exactly. And um, I was still kind of unsure of what I would do with the truck. I was thinking about uh, leasing it out. Um, you know, that was actually, that was another option was to lease it out to someone. And then I could actually have, you know, some monthly cash flow from it without all the work of <laughs> going out and making tacos. So I considered that. But in the end, uh, what I felt most um, at peace with was deciding to um, put it on the market. So I've actually got it on the market. I sat on it for a couple months and just seemed like a, you know, insurmountable task to worry about selling it. And one day I just woke up. I'm like, you know what? Today's the day. I stopped by the trailer storage on the way to work. I snapped a couple photos. I put it on Facebook Marketplace and... Um, have a couple people I'm working with right now that, you know, that um, seem interested. So I'm just trying to work out, uh, work that out. But uh, definitely knew it was the right decision when, um, you know, when I committed to it and just felt kind of a weight lifted and knew that now was not the right time, you know, to, uh, to go all in. So. so if you sell off the truck, will that be enough to pay off all of the debts you have? and get you back to zero uh almost so definitely all of my the the ones i consolidated to you know the credit cards um yeah definitely it'll be enough to pay those off and then i'll just be left with my car payment so okay so just the car payment at the end yep and uh definitely definitely feeling good about that just even just getting on that fixed payment plan you know we were making minimum payments for who knows how many years and just not making any traction and just that simple uh, act of getting on a fixed term just lightened my load a lot as well so I think that was a blessing in the end. Well it sounds like the right thing to do to sell this Keith uh, to consolidate all those things to get back to zero and then buy yourself some breathing time. Are you already planning the next mini experiment the next adventure or are you going to take a breath are you going to take a breather are you planning to spend more time with your kids in the future where's your head at right now yeah that's uh that's i've taken 
uh, a lot of time to think about that. And basically where I've landed is, like I said, now it's just not the right time. Uh, I think an ideal scenario would be debt-free with, you know, six months of saving, personal savings in the bank and possibly even six months of potential business expenses. And that would basically put me in a, in a position of strength to where, you know, the business could go south and I could still, um, you know, not, not basically not have to worry. Am I going to be able to put food on the table? Am I going to be able to give my kids a good Christmas, you know? So, um, that's kind of where I'm at now. And, uh, definitely helped me realize that I need to be spending quality time with the kids. You know, it was rough, you know, leaving on the weekends, being gone all day after having worked all week at the day job. And one other thing about that, my kids have been, um, bugging me about, um, uh, doing a lemonade stand. Somehow we, it had come up months and months ago <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, we had never gotten around to doing it. And then I had some friends, uh, several friends and family who ended up giving us some fresh lemons uh, from their trees. Arizona is very well known for its citrus production. And so I had a, about two, three boxes of fresh lemons and, you know, what do you do with three boxes of fresh lemons? So we uh, did the lemonade stand in our neighborhood and the kids loved it. They made over $100 um, combined in the matter of two or three hours. And uh, they were super excited. I actually got them some uh, debit cards through my bank. They they now have like a, a little account you can get where it's linked to yours. And so they all have a debit card with their name on. We we went, to, uh, we got the money. Uh, we actually ended up going to the uh, car boot sale and they wanted to spend some of their money, you know, and so... They got to use their little debit cards and they were so happy they got to sign their their names on the phones with their finger could barely sign you know their initials on there and uh, <laughs> so yeah um through all of that it kind of helped me realize like you know this could be a fun thing to spend time in a business with my kids they loved it i had a good time they made some money and part of me even said, hey, maybe I should convert my taco truck into a lemonade tr- truck, you know. But um, <laughs> it, in the end, I, uh, the conclusion I came to, like I said, was now is not the right time. But I think down the road, doing something that involves the whole family, uh, you know, could be a great experience um, for all of us. But um, just the, the time is not right now. So, Keith, I love that you've come on the show and you've told us what happened, what went on. I think it's incredibly brave. I also love the fact you did a business with your kids. Like what an amazing opportunity for them to see you literally turn lemons into lemonade and sell it and they got money and what an incredible experience for them. I think what I'd love to do with you now is to help share what you have learned through this experience with everyone listening. Because that's the whole point of a mini experiment is to learn. The whole thing is like, let's run an experiment. Let's do it with as little debt as possible. Let's test these things out. Let's learn. And you've done a, you've gone all in and you've done a huge experiment with all sorts of different aspects. But it's the learning. And even though this wasn't the success we wanted, we can still get huge value out of it for us and everyone else listening by thinking about what we've learned from it. So I'd love that. Like, where would you start? I have ideas, but I want to know what you've learned from this experiment. 
Yeah, I'd like to uh, add on to what you said there about, um, you know, it wasn't exactly the success we anticipated, but you can still gain value. Um, I did have someone in my family, they, they meant well, but when I made the decision to close it down, you know, they made a comment like, well, you gave it your best shot, you know, something like that, where, you know, I think it meant to be pop, come across positive, but it was kind of the implication was, well, it was a failure, you know, but at least you try, tried your best. And, um, you know, I, I really kind of bothered me that night. I'm like, you know what? It wasn't a failure in my mind. It didn't, like I said, it didn't necessarily produce the results that I wanted, but in my mind, an experiment is successful if you learn something from it, whether that be, oh yes, this is going to work. Let's keep going. Or this isn't going to work. Um, so I, I would first say to your listeners, you know, just because something doesn't turn out the way it doesn't, doesn't mean it was a failure. Uh, you know, it was a learning experience and it at least taught you the, if nothing else taught you how not to do something, you know, at minimum, but you probably learned a lot, of, <laughs> uh, a lot of other things along the way. So I, I don't feel like it was um, a failure. Um, but as far as what I learned, um, I would say the importance of planning things out, uh, getting it on paper, and considering the worst case scenarios. Uh, you know, I could have said, okay, yes, I've got money coming in to cover the the uh, trailer payment for these first six months. But what happens after that? if things don't go well and um i would definitely recommend like i mentioned before going into something with some cash reserves for your uh, personal expenses as well as your business and that will give you know you give you some uh, peace of mind uh knowing that you are going to be able to take care of yourself you know without extra anxiety, uh, you know, revolving around the business. I love those. Just building on what you've said in a couple of places, the importance of planning things out. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with the content that I have created. When I tell people not to do business plans, I'm meaning not to do a formal business plan. I'm not saying don't think about what's going to happen. <laughs> don't make notes. Don't plan out in your head and I'd love to say to everyone listening to this like you don't need a formal business plan where you say the taco market in Arizona is worth x million per year and I will gain three percent of this market like that doesn't help you but thinking out this is what I'm borrowing this is what I'll owe each month this is where I think I can go this is when I'll launch like having a think about what's going to happen and making some notes is incredibly important, incredibly important. So I think that's something that over the years, I think people have listened to me talk about don't do a business plan and then they just do stuff, which I love the fact they do stuff, but permission not to do a business plan is not permission not to think about what's coming up and what's going. So I think planning out on paper, as you said, you know, if I get the truck at this date, when will I launch? When will I have time to set up? Uh, who will be doing it with me? How will it work? And going through those details and using the different questions, who, what, why, when, to plan through what will happen, I think is incredibly valuable. And I think if you're listening to this and thinking of launching a mini experiment for your business, like doing the thinking up front 
is incredibly important. So please take that on from what Keith has said. I think that's an incredibly, incredibly valuable piece. Considering the risks. See, I've got mixed feelings on the considering the risks, Keith, because I think we should consider the risks and we should think about what would go wrong and what could happen and mitigate them. Then we have to let go of them and get on and try it because the risks are actually what stops people trying things. And you've got to think about them. You've got to know, okay, my risk is I don't make any sales. My risk is I've got these payments. My risk is I, like, I don't know, it's a food business. Someone gets food poisoning. Um, My risk is this, my risk is that, and then I will mitigate them. Then you've got to put those down and get going. So I do think it's incredibly important to mitigate the risks, but at some stage you have to just do because you can't you can't know all of the risks, which actually brings us on to your fourth learning, which was have an emergency fund. I think that in the financial independence world, we talk a huge amount about emergency funds for your personal life. And what if the washing machine breaks down? What if the car breaks down? What if you lose your job and you need X months of expenses to cover you whilst you find a new job? Like we need that emergency fund because it gives us security and protection. But we don't talk about it enough in business. And I don't actually know if that many people in business have an emergency fund. And for Rebel Business School, when COVID hit, all physical events were cancelled. Like in three days, we lost the entire of our income around the world. And our savings grace was that I had a huge emergency fund. I had a year's worth of cash because I'm paranoid of not being able to pay the bills, look after people. And I, I always want that kind of money hanging about. So I'd always been a saver. <laughs> the whole business philosophy of Rebel Business School is don't spend money if you don't have to. So I saved and I saved and we scrimped and we did everything ourselves and I'd rather work than spend the money. And I put us into that position. Maybe that slowed down our growth a bit because I could have spent some of the money to grow. However, when COVID hit, we didn't have to overreact because we had that emergency fund. So I love that you've highlighted that and every single person listening to this start creating an emergency fund for your business based on your expenses that's exactly what keith said is like how much are you going to spend a month and start by getting a three-month emergency fund and then maybe build it up to six months plus because you just never know do you you just never know what's going to happen what's going to change that financial security allows you to breathe and make better decisions. Um, so I wanted to build on what you said, because I think you've highlighted incredibly important things for everyone listening to this. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, it's similarly to uh, how people run run their personal finances, you know, most people are deep in debt, buying stuff they don't need, uh, you know, living month to month. And, it, you know, it's probably safe to say a lot of people running their businesses that way. And um, in fact, my, my employer, he, they have, uh, you know, a policy of uh, expanding at the speed of cash, I, I would say. 
and um, you know they're able to keep all their employees when the market or you know when the uh, yeah when the market goes down and uh, when their industry is having a hard time and so yeah definitely it might slow the growth like you said but it's definitely going to protect you for the unexpected so yeah um, definitely a good policy you have been on an adventure and a half Keith an adventure and a half and I'm so impressed by your enthusiasm your energy the way you just make things happen and do things you've told us your learnings about that is there anything you regret from what you've done oh um hmm yeah that's a big question <laughs> that's a big question <laughs> yeah uh, I would say going back to the the being prepared part um uh overall I'd, uh, I'd say it turned out to be a positive experience whether I would go back and do it again, I would probably put those uh, steps in place, like I said, uh, with the, the emergency fund. So, um, yeah, I would say my regrets would be maybe bite, biting off a little more than I could chew or at least being, um, you know, maybe a little too optimistic where I said I was kind of basing my strategy on, oh, maybe this will set me up to be able to uh, you know, go out on my own as an entrepreneur. Um, but it was kind of putting a lot mm -hmm. of eggs in one, one basket. And uh, the plan kind of only worked if, you know, if I was able to go out and do it full time. And so I kind of put myself in this tight spot where I would, I didn't intend ever to be working the day job, doing the army and everything, and the food truck for more than a few months. And so once it got past that point and I saw that it wasn't going to be a good long-term solution, then it, you know, then it kind of felt like I wasn't making progress to towards my goals or my goals had changed. And so, um, yes. So yeah, I would say that's, that's kind of where I landed on that. So changing pace slightly before we wrap up and, uh, move on, what most excites you about the future, Keith? We've done the mini experiment. We've got the learnings. We know what we've done. Uh, you you made some incredibly happy customers. You made friends. You like, you did a huge amount, and I'm so impressed with your energy. I I'm interested. What excites you about the future and where you're going next? Yeah, the uh, one thing you just reminded me of though, when you're talking about all the good things. Um, I I just wanted to uh, circle back to something that I mentioned on a previous podcast. I had um, entered the contest for the best tacos in my town of Maricopa, and I don't think I'd gotten the results yes. yet, though. So, yeah, the results came in. Thanks again to my large family voting for me every day, even being a brand-new food truck only operating, <laughs> uh, you know, a month or two. Um, I actually ended up getting first place. I have the plaque to prove it. Maybe we can use that as the... Uh, you know, the thumbnail for the show. So um, the cover so, yeah. up for the show. I love that. Yeah. So definitely I, it feels good to look back. on Congratulations. On what Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. It, it feels good to look back on what I accomplished. Like I said, uh, listening to those old episodes about, about all of the problems that I had to solve. It really does did fill me with, you know, some pride and, and uh, got me kind of emotional at points of just thinking like, wow, like looking back, 
I was crazy for doing some of that stuff, but the fact that I pushed through, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, um, you know, gave me some, uh, some feelings of pride, but going forward, I would say, um, back to the goals. I remember something you had actually mentioned during one of your talks at, uh, at the financial independence kind of, uh, get together that I um, saw you at, at Mr. Money Mustache headquarters there. Uh, you talked about goals and working towards them, you know, how your, your goals might change, you know, always be adjusting. And so at the beginning, my goal was to launch this food truck to, um, you know, potentially leave my day job. And once those goals changed of, Hey, this isn't, you know, this isn't taking me where I want to go anymore. It actually was a relief to make the decision to leave it, you know, so I would say that's another thing you could learn is don't get so attached where, where you're, you know, set on following one course when it's not actually taking you where you want to go. And so my current goal is to get out of debt. Once I saw that my food truck was not going to get me there, then I started getting excited about selling the trailer, about, um, you know, working some overtime and uh, doing whatever I got to do to get out of debt. And, you know, in the future, maybe I will revisit it once I get some some funds in the bank. But right now, um, I'm just excited to get on a better financial footing, get the debt out of my life, and spend more time with the family, find ways in the future to possibly make some money um, while spending time with the family. I love that goal. I love that goal of getting on a strong financial footing. And it feels as though you're not actually that far away. If you can sell the truck, clear the consolidation loan, get some overtime, pay off the car note, you'll be completely square and at that really good starting point to plan forwards again. And I think getting away, paying off the debt, getting away from the debt and creating the space for you to be able to do what you want to do. I think we had a mad rush to get to, let's get the business going, let's get the food truck out there, let's make it all happen. This will fix everything in one foul swoop. And there was a chance it would, but we had that mad dash to do it. And I think we didn't quite make it this time. We learned a huge amount. Now's time to just take a breath get straight. You've got time. You've got the family. You've got a lemonade stand to run. Uh, (laughs) And then we can work towards the next step afterwards and having that time. So I think I just want to say from me and everyone else listening, thank you. Thank you for sharing the journey, the adventures, the highs and lows, the ups and downs. I think you've been incredibly open and I really appreciate it. And Thank you, Keith. And you are always welcome back on the show. I'm always here to chat to you about whatever you want to do. And we really appreciate your time and energy. Thank you so much, Alan. Yeah, I appreciate being on here. I think it's helped me as well to kind of walk through things. And um, also just having that on record, you know, I'm I'm not great about documenting things. And so having, uh, having these recordings to go back and listen to, um, like I said, it was, uh, you know, emotional at times. And just uh, glad to be able to have that and, uh, you know, think, look back on it in 10 years and say, you know, if I can do that, I can do anything. So, 
Absolutely. And it'll be interesting when your kids come to you and say, I want to start a business, <laughs> you can tell them to listen <laughs> to the episodes before they get out there and start. Uh, yeah. be fascinating to open that discussion with them. Keith, you're a legend. Thank you so much. Good luck in the future and see you soon. The final message from me for this episode is about debt. Debt is something that I've had a passion to eliminate for such a long time. After seeing the devastating consequences of my dad's borrowing in my own family and later on to the people around me and the different people I've encountered in life. And debt, in all its different guises, even when you're building a business, debt to build a business, it is debt. And we're running the Rebel Finance School right at the moment. We have a bunch of people on the Rebel Finance School who are big into property. And every time I mention debt being bad, they say there's good debt and bad debt. And I kind of agree if you have an asset and you borrow some money and it's cash flowing, but that cash flow is not guaranteed forever things change, stuff happens. And if you're in debt, you have to pay the debt back. Otherwise, they're going to come to you for the debt. They're going to look for the assets that it's secured against. If you build a business with debt, you are putting yourself at risk. And I don't care what you say about that. You are. If things go wrong, you're going to have to pay that debt back. It's, it's not your money. It's not your money. You have to pay it back. Or you have to go bankrupt, which is a hideous process. I watched both my mum and my dad. My dad did it twice. My mum I watched do it. And it's a year-long process to come to the other side of debt and going bankrupt in the UK. Then it completely messes with your credit score, with your ability to do things for many, many years afterwards. And the consequences of my dad's debt have plagued us for 20 years afterwards. And I just think... We need to think carefully before we borrow money, before we promise to pay things, before we do things. And you probably all know this, but my biggest belief is there is always a way to do it without debt. There is always a way to pre-sell, to find the customers, to make the money. There's different ways to do things. So the biggest message I want you all to take from this episode and one we've got coming up, which is about an entrepreneur who went in heavily into debt to build his business and didn't realize that it was on an interest-only repayment. Debt follows you for years, decades after it's been around. And it can cause you huge, huge problems. So I want you to think once, think twice. Think, what would Alan say if I'm considering taking this loan? Think, is there another way? Think about how you can do it without debt. Because trading from profit is where the power is. If you've got profit, if you've got an emergency fund, if you've got sales, you can feel empowered that you're building your business from something that is real and cash flow, not from something that is borrowed and like building your business on sand. So build from cash, build from profit, sell first. It is critical to the success of your businesses. That's the message I really want you to take. So please go out there, sell, make money, generate profit, create an emergency fund, get yourself a stable and financial base to build from and have fun making money. 
because profit sets you up for the rest of your life. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur. You've made it through to the end of the show and I promised you a special announcement and also I have someone with me to help announce it. Hello, it's Katie here. <laughs> Alan's wife. Yes, uh, that's not your defining feature, but that is how people will understand you for today. I thought it was the best way to introduce myself <laughs> to your audience. So I don't know if you knew this, but Rebel Business School is 10 years old. It's our 10 year anniversary since Simon years. and I ran the first course in Western Supermare for Alliance Homes and 40 people turned up not knowing what to expect. Ten. And uh, neither did we. So if you're 10 years old, does that make you kind of preteen? You're starting to get a little <laughs> bit feisty, a little bit moody, a little bit talking back. That's just about right, yes. Uh, and to celebrate our 10-year birthday, we have a gift for you. So Simon, my business partner, Katie and I have decided that we want to create a gift for you. So we've built this course for you called the Extraordinary Life Course, and we want to give you everything you need to set yourself up for the best year yet. How do you set yourself up for the best 2023 you could possibly have? Because... Simon, Katie and I have spent a long time thinking about how do you build extraordinary? How do you build the life you actually want to live? And we don't care what your version of extraordinary is, because the fascinating piece is that it's different for everyone. My version of extraordinary life is different to yours. Yours is different to Katie's. Katie's is different to the person who's listening to this over the other side of the world. And it doesn't matter what life you want to build. There are tools, techniques and mindsets that help you to make more progress. I like doing jigsaw puzzles and playing with data. <laughs> that is Katie's version of extraordinary. It involves spreadsheet, data and data visualisation. To some of you out there, you might be horrified at spending your day doing that. Uh, and that is the beauty of life, is that we're all rich, diverse and weird, different extraordinaries. If data does light you up... Please feel free to get in touch. <laughs> so we have this course. We've designed it exactly for you. We're going to run it just like we did Rebel Finance School. It will be every Monday night for 90 minutes for five weeks, designed to give you everything you need to set yourself up for an extraordinary 2023. And it will all be online. We'll be going live at 8 p.m. UK time. If that time doesn't work for you, we'll be simul simultaneously streaming to YouTube live, which will be recorded so you can catch up at your leisure. Because I know that that time zone does not necessarily work for everyone. But don't worry, you can catch up whenever you want during the week and then we'll be ready for the next week. So if you are up for learning some new things, for allowing Katie, I and Simon to facilitate some conversations about what extra extraordinary means to you and coming up for a plan of how to build it in 2023 then all you need to do is sign up because as with everything we do it is free for you it is our gift free yes free we're just <laughs> doing it because it's the right thing to do so all you need to do is go to alandonigan.com forward slash extraordinary that's alandonigan.com forward slash extraordinary. Sign up and join us on the 21st of November. Can't wait.